Hey, what's good? This is Brother Most Underground Footy Podcast. Just letting you know, if you want to support what we're doing here, you can just hit us up on uh, pgyoungboys.com. Anyway, let's get down to the show. We up with a special edition of the Underground Footy Podcast. I got I got special, special guests. These are my homies. These are the guys that helped me to get through this, this youth soccer landscape. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of our thoughts and 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 the pathways. Now let me just tell you, there's four of us on here. I got three boys. My man Kelvin got three boys. My man Mike, he got two boys. And my man Gus got two boys. So between all of us, we got 10 ballers, 10 young ballers doing their thing at different levels, different places, different pathways. So we're just going to kind of kind of kick it. So again, the, the this this is the Footy Brothers special edition of the Underground Footy Podcast. And um, you guys ready to step on the subway? Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> all right. All right. So I'm going to start out. I want introductions. I'll start with you, Kelvin. Uh, let us know a little about yourself and, 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 your, and your young men and, uh, you know, ages, things like that. And, and let's let's see what we can uh so so people have a foundation for what we're talking about. Thanks for having me, first of all. Glad to be here. Finally on the on the footy cat footy podcast. So um Kelvin Davis my name. Um then I I'm the parent of three boys, as Mo said. I have a uh, I've been involved in the soccer thing now, I guess, with them. I didn't play myself at all. So it was kind of new to me. My kids gravitated towards it. They loved it when they were younger. Started playing. Three boys, Kelvin Jr., we call him KJ, affectionately. He's uh, played all the way from U8 at all levels. You know, we started out, it's funny, we started out in Jersey. I grew up in New York. We moved to Jersey. My wife's from Jersey. From Jersey. Uh, went to a Red Bulls game as part of a scout troop, Cub Scout event. And he was playing with, he was playing with them uh, during a little halftime thing. They're like, hey, he needs to be playing soccer. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we're doing that. We're playing baseball. I play baseball, he's gonna play baseball. Um, and uh, from that standpoint, uh, you know, I had to take a step back and like, you know, it's not about me. So we put him, I put him in Boys and Girls Club. Went from there. Progressed from there, went to like club, and he's played club, then he played academy, played in college, played at Frostburg University, Frostburg State University, um, played some pro, Baltimore Kings. Uh, now he's coaching Maryland United. He's 24 years old. Middle son, Kyle Davis. He's uh, currently at Mount St. Mary's, Mount St. Mary's University in uh, Maryland, and he is just turned 20 last week. Wow. <laughs> April 4th. Wow. <laughs> he, uh, 
same thing. He, we kind of started a little bit different since we already kind of thought what we knew what we were doing because Cage was already playing club. So we went directly to the club route with Kyle. So he's a little bit more advanced. Uh, played club, then played academy. Um, kind of like where we've met most and Mike and Gus all since played at East United Academy. So that's where Kyle played. And um, you know, he's played on that level. Now he's in college at Mount St. Mary's. Youngest son, he's like I say, he's one. My youngest son, Kareem, he's 16. Same thing. Started the club route. Uh, went to the pre academy. Got injured. We all had injuries along, along the ways and stuff like that. We can get to that later. But um, now he's kind of searching for a club at this at this particular moment. He'll probably but he's play. but he's enjoying himself because he's, he's still enjoying, playing. He'll probably play somewhere <laughs> this spring. He'll play somewhere this spring. We'll we'll, we'll yeah in there for some some minutes and stuff like that. But. Now you 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 currently live in the Bowie area, right? I live in DMV. Yeah. For people who don't know, that's DC, Maryland, Virginia. Um, you know, we are based. The footprint is kind of like you know, out of the uh, the between Bowie, Mo County. Well, basically PG County and Montgomery County between all of us right now. All right. Um. Okay, Mike. Give us a rundown. Sure. Uh, my name is Michael Gaines. Um, I have two sons. My oldest son is uh, Michael II. My youngest is also affectionately known as Leto. Um, my youngest is Ramesses. He's, uh, he's well, Ramesses Gaines, we call him Rami. Oldest son is 19. He's a, uh, he is a sophomore at Penn State. He plays on the Penn State men's soccer team. He is currently uh, injured, so he's out this season with a recovering from the Achilles tear. Um, and my youngest is a, a is 17. He's a senior in high school, but he plays for uh, Bethesda's um, U19 Academy team. So he's a 2003. So uh, as far as our journey, um, we started in uh, Waldorf, currently live on Oxon Hill right now, but started in Waldorf, Maryland um, with my youngest son, um, playing, he he played uh, with Waldorf Soccer Club. Of course, like most people, start out playing rec soccer, and uh, he he had a knack for it. He was talented. Um, he wasn't the fastest. He wasn't always, but he was. You know, he had a talent for the game. And he wasn't the biggest and strongest kid, but he actually, you know, with his skills, he was he was good with it. So, uh, as a seven year old, he ended up starting playing travel soccer with the U nine team, the, the Waldorf Ice at the time. And uh, that was the entree to travel soccer. So, of course, you know, when you do that, you go from, oh, it's, it's, it's fun to go and, and watch the game and have some oranges and, and walk the sidelines on a Saturday. And then I'm going to get on with the rest of my day to why am I in, you know, Crofton, Maryland at eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, you know, or Saturday when I could be asleep, you know. So, um, so he, he went to the travel route first starting when he was seven. Then a couple of years later, um, around a, well, while he was going towards travel, moving from rec into travel, his younger brother, Ramesses, was starting when he was four. And, um, you know, of course, you know, these rec clubs, they do the, well, you know, and I, because at the time I was, you know, I was younger. I was still playing little sports on my own on the weekends, you know, flag football league over in Gravely Point, you know, over 30 basketball at Andrews Air Force Base, you know, stuff like that. And he said, well, if you want your son to play, he's too young. So if you coach, 
and we'll let them play. You know, rec clubs have probably done that to y'all at some point. <laughs> so the hook, and of course, he really wanted to play. So we did that and got him started when he was four. And he did the rec thing for a couple of years and went through rec plus program, which while I was at Waldorf, I was on the executive board of Waldorf soccer club. And I actually um, was the one of the people that helped start their rec plus program at Waldorf. Um, and so Rami went through that. So um, eventually they both ended up in travel soccer at uh, what was at the time called free state. Um, Lito went and he was playing with Kelvin's son, Kyle, on the, uh, on the team there uh, as a U11. Uh, Rami came around that same time, I believe, as a U9 player. And, and actually, he, was a, he did some U8 stuff and actually played a little bit with Kareem one year. Um, and so that's actually where we met Kelvin was at that U8 game when right. – Yeah, right, because Rami – Four by four, four v four, right? It was four v four, that's right. right. Um, so both my, so my kids went from one trap from Waldorf to, 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 to Bowie to go play for free state. Um, eventually my older son got a, um, you know, we, uh, there was another program where they were looking for kids. It was an opportunity to get into DC United. We did that for 12 weeks. Kelvin, you, you did that as well with Kyle, cause they were both on the same team as you 12s were again, looking for more, trying to open the aperture a little wider to beyond just the colloquial kind of thinking of some of the clubs at the travel level and look for an opportunity. So both of them got into DC United Academy and up being teammates as U13 uh, uh, pre-academy players and went on through the system all the way through until they both went on to college. Um, so my son, my older son, Lito, he, he was there from U13 all the way through U19 and then went on to play at Penn State. And like I said, this is his second year and, and he's, he's going through an injury, recovering from an injury right now, but looking to be back. My older son is a right back. Both of my boys are defenders. My older son is a right back. So my that was his journey. My younger son's journey was a little more torturous. He's a center back. Um, and, you know, very different players. One is more cerebral. One is more direct action type of cat. But still both very talented. Um, but his journey was a little more complicated because when he followed his brother to D.C. United um, as a U11 with the pre-academy at the time, I guess it was U12 at the time, pre-academy, um, he, he did okay, but he wasn't, you know, one of the standouts. And at the time they decided to release him in the middle of the year, which kind of led him to a little bit of a spiral having to go, you know, he went to some other clubs in Virginia, took him over to Virginia to a couple of clubs, uh, Leon Vernon and then Barca. And then through, um, a summer program actually with you most that you ran with, uh, with Philip Jow up at Howard University, with the PG Young Boys and, and Philip Jow, um, it was an opportunity for Rami came to that and Phil, Philip Jow saw him and said, why, why aren't you playing the academy? And he was like, well, you know, this gave him his story, of course. Philip Jow said, hey, I got you. And he went to Bethesda. So went to Bethesda Academy, some back and forth there. Um, he went back to D.C. at one point uh, due to some changes up there at Bethesda. Then he came back um, to 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 uh, Bethesda because of some changes at DC United, them not having a U19. He endured some injuries along the way and overcame them. And now he's a U19 player uh, at Bethesda's Academy. Um, he's, you know, on his college search right now. Um, he's gotten into several schools, having gotten all the bites from the coaches. Part of that is affected by COVID um, while he was at DC. Yeah. 
U17, that's when the USDA shut, US Soccer Development Academy shut down its academy. So that kind of wiped out recruiting for his, you know, the second half of his junior year. Coming into the fall, he came back to Bethesda in the fall of 2020 and he got injured. So he messed up his knee, which took him out for the season, which also took time away from recruiting. So now in the spring, he's pretty healthy. He's playing, you know, time has passed, but he's having some discussions with a couple coaches, but he's, he's definitely getting, he's going to go to college. He's definitely, you know, he's gotten into several colleges right now. Um, just don't have the commitment from the coaches yet with regard to soccer. He, he is talking to Philip Jow about Howard. So we'll see where all that goes. Um, and uh, that's, that's his journey. So he, you know, we'll see where he ends up next year. And uh, hopefully, you know, at some point he can he'll be, be able to go and study what he wants to study, which is film and play and also live his dream of playing soccer. And maybe he'll even play against his brother at some point. So uh, Howard's a good place to film at. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Mr. Gus, what you got for us, man? Man, I, I don't even know how to come after those two brothers. You should let me go first. <laughs> um Full name is Augustus, but everybody affectionately calls me Gus. Um, I have two boys, AJ, who's uh, nine. No, he'll be 19. Wow. AJ will be 19 at the end of this month. And uh, my youngest son, Andrew, he'll be 14 at the end of this month. So AJ's April 24th and Andrew's April 27th. Uh, I grew up in New York City. Um, when I grew up, uh, mid-70s, well, I was born early 70s, but mid-70s, 80s, it was all about basketball. Um, you know, I played a little bit of soccer, like, around my junior high years, but nothing serious. Um, ended up moving out to Maryland. That's where I met my uh, wife uh, for now 20 years. Um, and, you know, she didn't know anything about sports. She wasn't into sports, but we, we live in Silver Spring, Maryland, and it's a very diverse community. So from the time AJ was in preschool, that's all they played. They played soccer. So he took to it right away, and he really loved it. And, you know, I wasn't into it at first, so I tried to get him to do football, basketball, baseball, all the other sports, but he just kept gravitating back to soccer. And so, um, you know, with AJ, his one of his main attributes is speed. So people just kept saying, look, throw him up top, let him run past everybody. So we did that all through, like, the Tacoma Park Rec League. Um, we ended up going to uh, Olney Rangers, OBGC, um, because a friend of mine um, knew Gideon and some of the people – who were also from Olney Rangers um, at the time. And they were like, yeah, there's a good club. There's a guy there named Pete Wood. He's from England. And so we, we went over there. Um, and I remember AJ went for a tryout there. And they were like, well, hey, there's a tournament at Covenant Park. Can you come to Covenant Park in the tournament? And we said, sure, we'll come to the, to the tournament. So we went to the tournament. We got there late. I had never been to Covenant Park. I didn't know where that was. Um, and so it was already, I guess, halftime by the time we got there. 
Um, AJ comes into the game and immediately he scores like two goals, just blows past everybody. And I'm like, okay, maybe this kid does have something. Now, again, I'm new, not understanding, okay, he's got some speed, but can he really play? So he stayed at Olney for a while. Um, and then a friend at Olney said, hey, you know, there's this coach that uh, coaches at SAC and they have a pre-academy. Um, they're having a friendly, you want to go play with them. Um, so I said, okay, you know, we were always looking for places to play. So took AJ over there. Um, the coach's name is Oscar. Oscar is a, an academy coach for Baltimore Armor. And uh, I remember after the scrimmage that we played in, he said, look, um, I'll take AJ and put him on the team right now. He said, you need to leave only come over here. And I was like, well, you know, that's why I got loyalty over royalty. I'm like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stay out the year and we'll see about next year. Well, next year we ended up going to Baltimore Army. Well, at that time it was still SAC uh, Academy before they became Baltimore Armor. But that was the first year of Baltimore Armor. And he was uh, U, U13. Yeah, U13. Um, and so did really well during that same time he had went to like ODP then he got selected for region one. Then he got selected for, um, like the top 17 in the region. But that summer they were taking a trip to Arizona, um, to play. And at the same time, armor was playing in a tournament in Disney. So Oscar said, look, ODP is done. You don't need to mess with ODP anymore. Come on over <laughs> here. Let's go to Disney. Right. So uh -huh. AJ ended up not going uh, on that trip, but just a couple of kids that, you know, people may know, like Griffin Yao was on that Region 1 team. Uh, Joseph Scally, who's now at uh, Marisha Martin Gladbach, who's at New York City FC, he was on that team. So... Um, you know, years later, I always wondered, well, what if AJ would have went to that trip? You know, what would have been the experience? But uh, still was happy that he went to Armour, did some good things. And we ended up playing DC United. And um, we knew a couple of people on DC United. And they said, hey, you know, they kind of like AJ. You should bring him over here. And so we went. We talked to um, Coach Bayo and um, – I forgot the other coach's name that we spoke to at the time. And uh, they were like, yeah, you know, bring AJ. We ended up leaving uh, the second half of the season. Well, we left Armour and came to D.C. United. Um, you know, I just I felt like if he was going to do this academy thing, it was best to get him in early. Um, I'm still great friends with all people at Armour, Coach Oscar, uh, at the time, Looking Land wasn't there, but, you know, still have a good relationship with Armour. Um, so AJ stayed for like half of U13, all of U14, um, U17, and, and it was funky in between there because they had gotten rid of some teams and they didn't have certain age groups. Um, but towards the end of, I want to say, U17, um, Oscar calls us again, says, hey, we're taking a trip out to Spain. Uh, I want AJ to go. I said, okay. Now, technically, 
uh, I wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> so I wasn't supposed to let him go to Spain. Um, but I let him go, and he got scouted out there. Nobody knew. Um, and then he got offered um, at a club called Huesca to enroll in their academic and soccer program. So, you know, at the time I said, well, you know what? We've done the academy stuff. Um, AJ always said he wanted to play in Europe. I said, okay, well, you know what? Let's try this out. So he basically, from the age of 15 till now, he's been in Spain. Um, he's worked his way up through the different levels in Spain. Um, he's currently playing on their um, U19 team that's in the second division. Um, but they're at the top of the table. They get ready to go to the playoffs, so they'll probably go to the first division in Spain. And then he also works with a third division club over there uh, called Babastro. Um, so, you know, he's done some trials in Germany. He's been to the Netherlands. So, you know, he's gotten to see different things across the world. So uh, no regrets as far as his path. Now, my younger son, Andrew, um, hey, whatever big bro does, he wants to do. So he just started getting into soccer. You know, like basically he wants to do everything AJ does. Um, we started him in Tacoma. He's another one really fast. He was tearing it up, scoring 10 goals a game. I was like, okay, this isn't challenging. Um, took him over to Baltimore Armor, actually. And uh, he was with their U11 and U12 group. Um, did well there. And then he had a knee injury. And the knee injury basically has kept him out for the last year. And a year and like three months. So he hasn't played any soccer since then. So he's just started to sort of rehab his knee, go to physical therapy. So now he's on the right path. And we're going to look to try to get him back slowly, uh, try to get him back in uh, probably in the fall. Right now we're just looking for some training opportunities so that he can continue to strengthen that knee. And uh, those are the boys. All right. And I guess uh, I'll take up the last slot. Um I have three boys, like I said, the oldest is RJ, the middle one is Romero, and the baby boy is Ramsey. Um, I'll start with, with RJ. I mean, I, I grew up playing soccer in New Jersey in a place called Scotch Plains, which um, had a pretty strong soccer program. But of course, I didn't have all of the... Uh, the stuff that comes with, you know, like my parents knew nothing about the sport. My mom signed me up for rec. I loved it. You know, I was fast. I was uh, relatively uh, tough because we played a lot of street football and stuff like that. So I will say, hey, I was one of the few black kids to even play. But once I played it, I was I was bit. And and back then, you know, <laughs> the game was a little a, a little rougher than the way they call it now. And but to me, compared to playing on the streets with your friends, there was nothing that could happen in a soccer game that actually shook me at all. So went on through that um, through high school. And, you know, like I said, it was 
it was definitely tough at times because of the, the, the racial component and stuff that would be said from the sidelines. I mean, I, I kind of thought that by the time we got to this era, things would change. Not so much, but it is what it is at this point. And we'll, we'll keep that. We'll keep addressing that and, and trying to make change. Um, so fast forward to, I get married, you know, I went to university of Maryland you know, I kind of stepped away from soccer. I won't, I won't lie. You know, it was like, I like to play, but back then it, it wasn't really on TV. So it was like, you played, but the only person, you, people you had to look up to were the older kids. It wasn't on television like that. And um, so when I got to, you know, Maryland and I went to University of Maryland, then settled in Maryland, got married and the kids you know, we started having kids and RJ was my first one. And I was like, okay, cool. This is going to be, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to sign him up for Bowie Boys and Girls Club. I'm going to pop open my chair like in that meme. And I'm going to sit down and watch him become a star. But it didn't work that way because, of course, they want you to coach. They keep saying, we don't have any coaches. So my, so my wife says to me, well, you know, they're asking for coaches. I said, and I, I can't coach, you know, I, I just want to watch. And so she said, well, if you don't do it, I'll do it. I was like, wait, you, did you play? She said, nope. I ran track, but I, but they need, they need help. I'll do it. And so of course I did it, you know, went through the whole thing where I wrote out my little, my little lesson plan I'm working with. And the same thing as Mike, I fibbed my way in because RJ was actually four at the time and you had to be five. So got in there, had my little stuff written out, what I was going to do in each part of practice, ended up just tossing that over my shoulder because these little cats was just boys and girls, you know. So did that for a few years, realized that it wasn't really, wasn't really developing. It was like kind of like you, you test it there to see if your kid likes it. Rolled into... Um, uh, helped form a club called Quick Feet Soccer. Now, um, the gentleman that ran that was Justin Reed, and he basically was doing training at the time. And I was like, yeah, let's do a, do a club. I know all the all-stars in Boy Boys and Girls Club. We'll put them on a team. We're going to roll over everybody. And he said, look, travel soccer is a whole nother beast. And I was like, oh, man, now nah, these guys are really good. So we put together the squad. I mean, we had... By the time it was put together, we had like up to the ages of like Johnny Goddett, who's who's uh, over in Europe right now. He also played at Mount St. Mary's and then, you know, he took it to Europe. And then we have um, like Kenny Mesidor, who's at St. Francis. I mean, we had a good group, but I'll never forget. We played a game one time and we ran up against uh, we were playing up a year because we didn't have enough to. So we ended up playing uh, actually. Philip Jow squad, man, they must have beat us like 14 to nothing. And I had never seen, especially little black kids play like that. And I was like, whoa. So we, we parked it for, <laughs> for the spring season and just trained. And, you know, so as time goes on, we, we got better, ended up going into tournaments. And in the meantime, while all this is happening, Romero and Ramsey are on the sidelines. So myself, another gentleman named Keith Fletcher, um, Taye Akamboni, we all got, like, the boys would be on the side. We would grab some pub goals, 
show them like two, three minutes of drills, whatever, maybe 10. And then they would play for like two hours at a shot. Just pick up, small sided. And over time, you started saying, whoa, these dudes are getting really good. Now, they're not getting training, training, but they're balling. And that's kind of when I fell into knowing that pickup soccer is critical. And like, we didn't call fouls because if it, if it ain't malicious, it's not really a foul. It's just an accident. So you would never see our guys as time went on sitting on the ground with their hands up. Come on, ref. That We don't believe in that. Right. So Romero and Ramsey started playing and eventually we formed teams in that age group. And by the time RJ was topping out at like U10, because we were in CMSSL at that time, you know, they weren't letting any other clubs into NCSL, which was king at the time. So once you hit that point, you had to join either a two-year age group, which was like OBSL or something, which the level was definitely lower or you would ultimately have to leave. So the guys like four of the guys got recruited pretty heavily to a squad at Bethesda. And, you know, like I said, the selling point was, okay, we'll go over here. So I here it, here it is, you know, it, it definitely caused some turmoil with, with quick feet. So I ended up having to take all my boys over to Bethesda. First time I ever saw a bill for six grand. I'm like, what? What? And so RJ was there because he was recruited. Romero was there because he had the same coach. So the practice times were the same. And then Ramsey was there because we had to find a guy who was practicing the same time because I wasn't going to keep running up and down the road. So it ends up RJ played like one year. And then he was invited to uh, try out at D.C. United. Now, in my mind, I'm like, whoa, it's D.C. United, pro club, blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay, let's go. So he went, and he was actually one of the stronger players that came out. Now, I will say this. That first year at D.C. United, I think it was his U-12 year, man, it was rough. We were taking licks. You hear me? Taking licks. And I'm like, whoa. It's got to get better than this, you know? And, um, but over time, you know, it just, you know, you started hearing about these, 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 uh, um, what do you call them? ID centers and all of that. So he starts going to those and I'm like, okay, okay. He's, he's, he's pretty decent rolled up. I mean, the ultimate was, you know, finally we get to the, uh, we worked on with Bayo on the team with AJ I mean, we had Kevin Paredes and Nyman, and I mean, that team was stacked, you know. Um, Juan, who's still down in Spain, was it Hayden. Hayden is now playing for Salford City in, in uh, Europe, um, well, England. I mean, I don't even want to leave people out. Shoot, we had, we had Jacob. Jacob, Jacob Green. <laughs> Yo, you got one guy who's who's balling at Wake Forest as what is he a cornerback, a safety? Nick Anderson. I mean, yo, it was nuts. The team was nuts. They were they were outstanding. And so, you know, rolled through that. And then kind of like what Mike talked about, some changes came about. It ended up not being a good fit for RJ. Ended up going to uh back to Bethesda. 
and that rolled along and then kind of rolling into, you know, we're looking for colleges now and it just, <laughs> well, I'll tell you the rest of the story when we get to the next one. But the bottom line is he ended up finishing with a club called Achilles where he only played like a tournament and one game and then COVID just smashed everything to bits. But by then he had uh, already piqued the interest of Marist College, which is where he's at now. And of course their whole season pretty much ended up canceled, um, which was very disappointing. But I mean, everyone's going through through it with COVID. So, you know, it is what it is, I guess. And, and we'll, we'll keep things cracking. You know, uh, my son Romero, he was not, he was not intense, as intense about the game as the other two, but he loved to play. And because he was just around it so much, he actually is very good. And so he took a different path. Um, eventually he left Bethesda and we went to local clubs. I mean, we bounced around, you know, kind of a circuitous you know, whether it be Maryland United, Next Level, um, uh, Bowie U Soccer Academy, and finally landing at a, a club that, you know, he really enjoys. And I mean, because he enjoys the game, you know, but he's not trying to be a pro. He doesn't even necessarily want to play in college. He already said that. So he's playing with a club called Paragon, um, which is a new club. Really, really like the training and the environment. And so that's where he is. Now, finally, there was Ramsey, who, of course, he was the baby in all of this because he's 15 now. Uh, Romero, 17. RJ just turned 19. So Ramsey went to Bethesda, and because he was, I guess, a, a December baby, he kind of stayed in his age group, um, which, you know, now I know was the right thing to do. And so he, he went through... Um, and his brother, so the whole time his brother's at DC United and he's at Bethesda, which was kind of, it was kind of funny, you know? Um, but I really think that it's almost best to have your kids in different clubs because one thing can connect to the other, you know? So he went, he went there, then he went to, um, he stayed at Bethesda. Um, he played on Philip Jow's team for two years. And I mean, the development and the kids that were on that team were incredible as well. You know, it's, it's just like those dudes will be, you know, there's several guys that will be pros and are playing at a very high level, national team pool players, you know, including himself. And, you know, so then from there, it kind of, that's when the DA and the, it, it just kind of was like, well, what's next? And he was actually recruited by, a few DAs, but of course, you know, you have the situation with the homegrown territories, stuff, stuff had to be sorted out. Ultimately, he was recruited to Columbus Crew. Um, so he went there at 14 years old. Um, he's living, he's in the billet program, living um, with a host family, you know, but they're like family to us because we you know, we interact and go up and down the road and things like that. I mean, it's been a little more constricted with COVID. Um, so he's at his, he's in his second year there. Um, had a few issues with some, with some injuries, but 
he's been training pretty much the whole time, but they, they're taking really good care of him. And so his goal is to be a pro, as is RJ's. Like I said, Merrill said, I just want to play the game, which is fine. And, you know, that's kind of the pathway that my kids have followed and are on right now. Now, I know that that took up a little bit of time, guys, but now let's let's get down to the brass tacks, you know? What are some of the things that you guys feel like you gotta have in soccer? I mean, for me, I remember Mike, you 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 turned us on to futsal, right? Now, I had played futsal with with Bethesda, but you you decided to take it to another level. You were like, hey guys, let's get it together and get this guy, Dennison Cabral. He's he's a he's a futsal wizard, so on and so forth. And I believe we got, we just basically rented out a place and he he worked with the boys. Calverton, Calverton School, I think. And I wasn't Calverton. It was Indian Creek. Indian Creek, Indian Creek. Indian Creek. So what 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 was your what was your how do you, how, what was your remembrance of that that time, Mike? Good yeah. question for me. Yes. Um, well, the boys were at the time at uh, DC United, like in the pre academy. So it was basically I had offered it to the pre academy uh, for the U twelve and the U thirteen parents, and it was a combination of kids from both age groups. But I guess before that, I mean, when we were at Waldorf, we played futsal. I mean, futsal was part of the winter program. We did it mostly with, we didn't do it through Waldorf Soccer Club. We did it with uh, Danny Villagran, which at the time was called Southern Maryland Futsal Club, which is now the professional futsal. SMFC, yes. Right, Sporting Maryland. But back then it was Southern Maryland Futsal Club. And that was- um, Was Tony Galliano in that too? I know he worked with them at some involved. I think he was with the men's team. Okay. Did dealt with the youth. It was really Danny and his brother Scotty. Mm -hmm. Were the ones that were really proponents. And what they would do is they would draw like the best field players from Waldorf, from up in Bowie, because you'd have kids from like the Free State teams, Waldorf teams. You might get a couple, maybe one or two from like Calvin or St. Mary's, but mostly Waldorf and Bowie. Um, they have relationships in both areas. So when they, my kids were like, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, they were playing futsal in the winter because still in mid-Atlantic, it's not like, you know, we don't have the advantage of, say, like Southern California, Texas, Florida, where you can play outdoor year-round. And as you know, you got decent weather. You know, you know, cold in Florida, if it's in the, you know, 60s or 70s, they're like, man, it's, it's terrible. For us, that'd be great winter weather to play. You know, we play year-round, we could do that, but um, we did this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the futsal was, it was that, it was like at the time though, when they kind of, it was, you know, we play in tournaments and state cup and all that. It was good. And, and it was, you know, it was always seen as the winter activity, but, and I also at the time was peeping out, we'd go up to the, uh, to, to the sportsplex up there in Millersville and play against Denison. Oh, Benfield. Yeah. Benfield. Well, back then it was called something else, but I, I think it was called like Miller's. I don't remember exactly what it was called, but you know, we play against Dennis, his team. He had the Denison Cabral Futsal Academy, and they we, they would host tournaments, and they'd be in some of the same tournaments as Waldorf and well, really SMFC. So you know, I kind of saw what he was doing, 
And then you start to learn more about the game and you really understand that in other countries, especially in South America, this wasn't a winter activity. I mean, this is how they develop their kids. This is like you want to be core fundamental ball control, ball player. You want to be able to do some of the – be able to work in tight spaces, have better ball control, uh, better improve your agility with the ball, you know, your movement off the ball. Even a lot of it, you know, as we talked to some of the guys that were actually – worked with, um, you know, Danny and Scotty, like Marcos and, all, and those guys who were from Brazil. It's like, it was even more than just, it was learning to move without the ball. He's like, they, he's like, oh, the kids, they don't know how to dance yet, he would say. Um, and so um, that impressed, left an impression upon me that it was, even though we were at an academy, it was important to do these types of activities during the downtime, not just as a winter activity, but to really improve them as improve their, their skill set to even for the enjoyment of activity, but to improve their skill set to make them better field players. Even. So that was the, the, and Dennison at the time, he was the main guy as far as doing it. You know, I mean, Danny and Scotty at that time were doing other things. Um, and then I reached out to Dennison Cabral and, and, and told him what I was, you know, trying to do and, put a little program together and worked with, um, you know, and I, re I think I remember talking to you about it most and you giving me some pointers on how to kind of put, kind of work the deals behind the scene. And, you know, we put it together and, and it worked out for them. And the kids enjoyed it. Yeah. It was good for them to work with him. And I think like maybe a year or so later, he ended up coaching uh, DC's team. Right. And they went. When the U.S. Went. Soccer Development Academy finally adopted futsal for his U. I guess at the time, younger age group. U-13s, I, I believe. And, right. They, and went the thing, they, they did like U-12, 13, and 14 or something like that. Yeah. And they were coaching the uh, that U-14 team, I believe it was. Yeah. One yeah. year. So it was a good, it was a good connection to make um in, in relationship. Because that that's that Dennison, that's what his primary he he does, I believe, now coach some outdoor soccer with some local clubs, but his core yeah, he could do some incredible things with a football ball, man. Yes, his I mean, he's still on always doing crazy stuff. I mean, right. so 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 Gus, do you remember when 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 we played with uh with Dennis and later on at Benfield? Yeah, yeah. Um even before before I had hooked up with you to do that, um, you know, AJ was playing futsal. Uh, with a bunch of kids, and they had went up to um, what is that Wildwood, New Jersey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had gone up to Wildwood, New Jersey, and they were in that tournament, and they got all the way to the finals, and um, they ended up playing. Oh gosh, uh, you guys will probably what? What is the name of that that team? Uh, from New Jersey, they wear like green and and white. Or, see, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Cedar Stars? Was it the Cedar Stars? Stars. New Jersey Cedar, Cedar Stars. Stars. Oh right. yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cedar Stars. So, so on that team, right, you had the twins, Tavon, right? Tavon, Tavon. Yeah. Right. You had another kid named Nico. I don't know where he plays now, but. Again, this is being exposed to a different set of kids with different skill sets. Right. And we thought we were actually pretty good. And they were out there 
doing rainbows and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, okay, it's time to get back in the lab. Time so, to level up. <laughs> yeah. So fast forward, we, um, you know, that's when you were like, hey, come on over here to uh, Benfield. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so we did that. And they had a pretty good squad. Um, that team was also parent-led. Right. Um, so we didn't have, but they, those, those, you know, those dads did a good job. Uh, their kids were good players. I think a couple of them uh, playing college now. Yeah. Um, and so, but I, I remember talking to most and I was like, well, you know, why are we, we have ballers. Let's put them why together. Just, let's just put our own team together. And it was nothing against those guys. Like I said, AJ enjoyed his time. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of those, I mean, it was almost like the guys that were playing together at D.C. were all buddies and, and would play together anyway. Because if I remember correctly, that was like we had we had R.J., A.J., Moses, Jacob. Because Jacob had came out of Denison's camp as well. Yeah, and they got I mean, pictures. They have pictures of Jacob up in there. Yeah, yeah, when he was like eight years old. But, right. I mean, the fun thing about it was that, for me, it was like the Rucker Park. When these dudes got together and played, I mean, because I coached them, but really all I did was manage time because they would do things that, you know, I hadn't planned. You know, they knew rotations. By the time they got to that point, they, would, they were self – they were self-coached pretty much. And I mean, that group of boys and the ones, the old threes behind them. I mean, we ended up, I mean, I think like RJ and AJ won like two state cups with PG Young Boys. And then uh, I think RJ won one playing with Danny Villagran and them. Like in that final year, he, he went with them. And, uh, you know, all of the boys played. I mean, Rami. I mean, all of our kids play. We try to drag Kareem out there a few times, you know. He, and the funny thing is he was good at it, but I, I don't know whether we playing too late or what it was. He he just wasn't really a footstool. He's not the footstool. The other two boys, funny you talk about that. I mean, yeah. Well, Kyle played with us too. Kyle played with I mean, you guys. You know, we never we never got, got uh KJ out there with us, but if if I might if I might add on. If I might add on one of the other things, a, a, a brief futsal story, because you mentioned you mentioned Wildwood, Gus, and um, yeah. so the first time I think Lito and them went to Wildwood with uh, SMFC, and so you know, in between I would watch the games. I'd go watch some of the others. So there was this U14 team, and they were called. They wore blue and yellow, and they were from actually from Maryland. And they were, they, I can't remember exactly what they called. They were like some Bethesda something, but they weren't Bethesda soccer club, but they were a futsal team. It was like BNC or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know wait, you. wait, Mike. I'm going to let you go on, but BNC is the group that AJ was with. And that's <laughs> funny that you mentioned that because, yeah, he was with the younger version of those guys. Go ahead. Gotcha. So I'm out there and I'm watching. And there's this kid walks up. He's got a slim kid, Ethiopian kid. He's got on a Real Maryland, which is the, you know, the USL team 
sweatsuit on and everybody is talking about, oh, they like, you know, oh, hey, hey, yo, and they're giving them that. So I sit there and watch him play. I said, I got to see this. I'm watching him play. Apparently he's 12 and he's playing against 14-year-old and he is smooth as butter. I mean, slicing and dicing, going head-to-head with players. You talk about all the stuff that made me love, part of the reason why I love futsal, why I really love soccer, because futsal has that basketball street element. You talked about playing in the streets most. Most of us have played street basketball. It's that head up in the park, five-a-side, on that space. Embarrass you. (laughs) I'm going to embarrass you. I'm going to take you. And the kid is, he's a 12-year-old, and he's, he's the best player on the court. There's no question. He's the best. The stuff he was doing, I had never seen anybody. All right, who was it, man? Gideon Zalone. Ah, okay. Gideon Zalone (laughs) went to uh, play over at uh, Arsenal, I guess. Was it Arsenal? Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah. He got injured. I guess now he's back at NYCFC. Mm -hmm. But to see that core element of the game, I mean, his game on the court was – I mean, it was, I'd never seen anything. Level, it was level. At that point, back in like, and this was like 2010, maybe, I'd never seen anything like that. I think uh, you were talking about uh, Gideon. I think when you're talking about Denison on, on our, kind of like I, I like to describe as like the east side of Maryland in a sense, where Bethesda's west. So you have Devin Payton, who's, the, who's more of the futsal guy on that side. Yeah, magic like, moves. Yep. Hmm, what Magic moves. Magic moves, exactly. So yeah, I'm not yeah. Doing yeah, it was what I found. Fi- what I figured out finally was like when we first started. Like RJ was playing with Bethesda, Bethesda, you know, like the Blue Squad or whatever. They could go and 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 I mean, I remember. I think they went to the finals against that Capelli squad. I mean, see the stars, right? Yeah. As time went on, the futsal squads, like there were people who had futsal teams that didn't do anything else, and all of a sudden, it was like. Just because you were a good soccer player didn't mean you were going to win that. As a matter of fact, you probably weren't. Because right. it's not – futsal is not just soccer on a hard court. I mean, the ball control, I mean, certain moves and things that you do don't directly translate. I mean, although a lot of players can do both, it's just, you know, it comes – there's levels, right? And and so that's the other point I was going to make. Now – that brings me to another point. When I start hearing like um, the stuff with, what are your thoughts on how the game should be played? Because me personally, you know, people might say, oh, well, you're, you're from the, the, the older generation of, of soccer, but the bottom line is, I didn't start really getting into this thing till about 10 years ago hard, right? And I gotta be entertained. So when I see an entertaining squad, for instance, like you say, Gus, that Bayo squad, or like, you know, that 05 uh, Bethesda Blue squad, you know, I would watch them. And even if my kid ain't playing, I would have probably gone to watch them. Conversely, some, some footy is just not entertaining. You may win, but it's not entertaining. Now, is that, do you think that's a cultural difference? I mean, because I've heard guys say, well, I don't want to see any um, flicks and, you know, play the way you're facing and, you know, just basic ball. And you can win games. But, I mean, how do you deal with, because we know, I know what your kids like to do. 
And I'll probably put some clips on just so people can see from, from you know, off of YouTube or whatever. But how do you how do you deal with that when you're talking to your kids and you know, okay, well, to get on the field, you got to play real basic. But that's not going to show you in your best light because you're basically detuning. You know, so 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 what would what would you how how do you deal with that? All right, Kelvin, go. I mean, I think I think the kids know, especially all of our kids who play at a certain level. I think they know time and place of things. Mm-hmm. Like you're not gonna start juggling the ball in front of your goalie. I mean, you know, you're not doing that. But I think in the final third is is between the final third half half midfield. Final third is where you're, you're probably going to try to be a little bit more creative. And I think being expressive at that point is, is okay. I don't, I don't think there's a problem with that. Um, and I think the coaches, the coaches should encourage that too, because I think you want, kind of like Mike was saying, you want to be comfortable on the ball where you're, you're not afraid of losing it. And the coach shouldn't be afraid of you losing it because he knows you're good on the ball, you're strong on the ball. You're not going to do something outlandish to – cost your team at the same time but you're also going to try to uh, you know like you said it's entertainment so you're trying to have fun and you want to you know show your skill too at the same time so I don't, I don't think there's anything but but to your point there is a there is a generational gap there's no doubt about that there is an age cut off or old school mentality new school mentality there's definitely that all right what about you gus i i would say my outlook on the game as a whole changed as I got, I was fortunate enough to travel different places in Europe because of AJ. It's only because of him when he was younger um, and even older, but, you know, it started off. I remember we went to Scotland and um, he played against the Celtic, uh, Aberdeen, uh, Partick Thistle, there were a few clubs. And I remember um, an 11, I think he was 10, uh, playing for the Celtic. And they said, oh, you know, he just came over from the Rangers. And they were talking about how, you know, basically he was getting paid, right? Or his parents were getting paid. And I was watching this kid play, and I'm like, man, he's so free and just carefree. And I'm watching how the coaches are interacting. And they're not telling him stop dribbling. They're not. The parents aren't saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's free. You could see it on his, his body language, his face. I think here, um, and it's not all clubs, but I think here, even as young as U8, U9, it's too much about the win. They're, they're taking the creativity out of the kids. I think as great of youth national team and national team players that we have now, when you watch our games, name me three people who are creative in the final third or are beating people 1v1s with ease. And it's not because these players aren't good because a lot of them are playing at the highest level. They're pros. But I really believe that they just weren't in environments that nurtured that, that allowed them to be creative. 
allowed them to fail, allows, allowed them to lose the ball without fear of being taken out of a game. Um, you know, we've seen that plenty of times on the side. Yeah. And so, you know, I really think that, like Kelvin said, there's a time and place. There's also time and space, right? You don't want to do Maradonas and stuff in your own defensive half and lose the ball. Right. But when you do get a chance to go other places and see how they play, in some in some youth leagues in Europe, they don't even have refs and stuff at the young age. There's no keeping of score. There's none of that. It's just go play. Go learn. Be creative. Friends and family are excited. And when the kid does a rainbow or a flick or certain things like that. So I, I think really that's – there has to be that time to just enjoy and love and come comfortable with the ball. And then as you start going through the different levels, um, you know, you're able to use those back to what Kelvin said in the right time at the right you know place. Right. I mean, one of the things that I've definitely, you know, tried to to do with, you know, with with the parents that are involved in, in PG Young Boys with our organization is try to tell them to relax, especially when the kids are just playing. You know, like you standing there, you're watching your kid, and, and I get it, you enjoy watching them, but think about the fact of if you were in a time and age where your kids could just go play. They wouldn't have you there talking about, you know, hey, get a better first touch. I mean, because for one thing, I mean, my first time seeing something like that was um, I did personal training for a long time. Before I had kids, I, I worked with a lot of AAU basketball and high school basketball players and, and, and pros, too. But I remember going to a gym and it was a high pressure situation. You know, it was like a playoff or something like that. Kids on the line, he's bouncing the ball, and he, he got a you know free throw. He shoots the ball, ball hits the back of the rim, pops out, and somebody from I'm pretty sure his family, from the way they were reacting earlier, says, "Gotta make those free throws." And I'm like, "You do understand, the man didn't set out to miss the free throw. The same way if you yell for a kid to connect passes, and." I got to be honest with you, the first time that we saw, like the first place I ever saw it was at DC United where the coach just sat there with a little pad, a little tablet, which is not uncommon now. And me and my wife are looking at each other like, he's not going to say anything. And then it was explained, this is the test. We did all the work in practice. All he's doing is taking notes on what they're going to work on to get better. Because the one thing I do know is you cannot process the game of footy when someone's telling you what to do. You can't joystick your players, you know? And, and I think that even as far as some of our coaches, you know, like you said, there's, there's the newer generation. There's a lot of, uh, I guess, expanded education on this. And, and, and obviously you pick the way you want to do it. But the truth of the matter is the parents are going to pick who's going to interact with their, with, their, with their players because we're the only ones that whether they turn pro or not, 
we love them and we, we're going to make sure that they have success in life, you know? And so to me, that's something that, you know, parents got to understand, man, when they're young, man, have fun with it. Because I think all of y'all know, as they get older, this thing, some of the fun gets sucked out of it. Well, it's a business. Yeah. Right. Um, and you get paid at the front end in, in business in U.S. soccer. Whereas overseas, the payoff comes with the however many you can get all the way to the finish line. True. You know? So, I mean, like I said, what are you guys' thoughts on? I mean, obviously, everybody's from a different on a different path but like the situation Gus you would know the situation with trying to get a player to Europe to play you know with 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 good potential what are some of the roadblocks to that well first and foremost is the passport right so I don't care how good of a player you are um if you don't have that European passport, you, you, well, let's say this, you're not getting there before the age of 18. Okay. Um, to play at a high level. Now in AJ's case, I was able to get him over to Europe because he's on a student visa. Mm -hmm. And while he was training and playing in low, lower leagues, that was allowed for the type of visa that he had. Now, did they keep him in those leagues because he had to work his way up or was there some sort of FIFA regulations about where he could play? Oh, definitely FIFA regulations because again, he couldn't play in, you know, the leagues with the bosses and people like that um, until he turned 18. So when he turned 18, now he's in, you know, I guess if you want to call it a, an official FIFA sanctioned league where there's promotion and relegation between the second division and first division at that age group. Right. Um, so you'll have some teams that's in the second division now that were up in the first division who played Real Madrid and Barca and, and those types of things. Um, and then some of those clubs also have B teams. So, they may have, uh, you know, a juvenile A, they call it, mm -hmm. um, that plays at the highest level. And then they may have another, like, B squad that plays at the lower level because they have, you know, so many kids, things like that. Um, I would definitely say being on the national team um, is a plus. <laughs> There's an advantage. There's actually – Things that, you know, behind the scenes going to, you know, depending on how many official caps you have and things that, that like that, that makes it easier um, for clubs to get you work permits and things like that. Right. So if you if you so if you're not, uh, you know, a fixture on the national team, which AJ wasn't, if you're not uh, a European passport holder then you just have to grind and your hopes are somebody is willing to take a chance on you when you turn that age of 18. Um, 
because there's a lot more kids in Europe than people think. They might be playing in the third division or fourth division, but nobody talks about those kids. No, they only want to know about first team players. You might find, you know, you might see something on a kid that played, you know, let's say if you played for like a Brian Kleban or you played for somebody high level where people follow their players, right? Then you might find a player out there that's playing like third division in Spain. Um, but that person that's that kid at some point also was on the youth national team. Right. So I just, at the end of the day though, I really feel like you just have to be confident in yourself and your abilities. Right. You can't, you can't, you can't get caught up in social media and, and all these different things. And I, I'm talking to the players at this point because I still talk to a lot of the players, whether they're in Europe. I mean, friends of AJ that AJ's grew up with, like those are my boys, right? So like I have relationships with some of these kids and I still talk to them, whether or not they're pros and on the highest stage or, you know, they're grinding it out in Denmark or places like that. And I'm just like, keep going. Just right. keep going. You don't know when your chance will come. And when it does, and, you know, I'll say this too. Not every pro player, and I don't care what country they're from, plays for their national team. Well, it, it seems to me, and I, I've said this before, and and now you've kind of filled in the gaps, but it's – it's like, okay, you want to be a pro, but this is the only place where people think the way to become a pro is to make it to the national team. Everywhere else, it's like, if you're a really good pro, the national team will come. And that's like the gravy. Here, it's the goal. It's like, I got to get to national team. And then it's kind of like, to me, it just, it just seems kind of, well, put it this way. When you look at the first team national team players relative to the guys that were you 15, 17s, and I don't take anything away. I always give props and accolades to anyone who makes it to any of these levels. But the truth of the matter is, if you look at five years ago, who was on the U-17 national team, and then you look at who's playing ball now, you might find that, you know, like when we spoke to, you know, um, Eddie Pope or some of these guys, a lot of these guys were denied, you know, Weston McKinney. I know you know more that their opportunity didn't come when a lot of people thought it should come, but they kept grinding and ultimately where did they end up, you know, on the, on the first team. So that's that's the other thing that you know, kind of, kind of. And you have a lot of the young guys in college too, right? So again, there's no mm -hmm. one path. Um, you know, I'll just take a player, and I don't remember him as a youth player, but I'll take somebody like Daryl DK that everybody's talking about now. Right. Right. He. Um, I don't know. Did he play for like an MLS academy before he went to? Uh, he was at Virginia, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I don't believe so because uh, I don't know where the homegrown situation came out for him. But 
I don't believe he was. Um, we'll have to check into that. Um. Right. But, you know, again, perfect example. Wherever he might have played in his youth years, went to college, um, then got uh, picked up by, I believe, Orlando, gets loaned out uh, to, where is it, Barnsley he's at now in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's tearing it up there. Yeah. Then he comes to the national team. So I don't I don't know right. if he was on the national team before that. Nah, I don't we see that too. We know we know a couple of kids on the youth level who went overseas who weren't on the national radar. They go overseas. The US hears that they're overseas, so automatically they they put them into the into the pool. Yeah, they got to bring them in because they want to make sure they didn't miss something. That's happened to quite a few players up. as well. It's like, oh, right. you weren't you weren't sniffing them before they, they no, went right. overseas. Now you're scared you're gonna miss something. Right. But uh, you know, I guess that's the nature and the size of the country. Um, I, oh, guys, we gotta give a shout out. We gotta give a shout out. To those guys over there, future soccer club, future monarchs 03. Future monarchs, salute. I, I, I applaud you. You know, um, I don't know all the coaches' names. I do, I've known Mark, Mark Landon for forever, and future soccer club has been grinding. You know, it's a black owned club, and those boys played some pretty ball in the Dallas Cup that they won the national title. Absolutely. I mean, everyone has been very complimentary of the style that they played in. Yeah. So I, I got to give them props. And the funny thing is also, I mean, Baltimore Armor won it in the 04s. Prior to that, uh, OBGC, which you were talking about, Gus, 2012. And I mean, they had like uh, Jeremy Bobasi and those guys on there. That's a big old gap. And, and I do believe that if we were to break down the amount of talent that comes out of this area and stack them on one squad. We could play anybody in the U.S. for sure. Am I? Am I? Am I saying too much? Yeah. I mean, am I? <laughs> that's that's accurate. You know, accurate. you could find players from this from the from this area all over the all over the. Uh, map. Matter of fact, I just saw where um you know the kid uh Flanagan the, the, the kid oh Avion Flanagan yes yeah. you just signed with Cincy yep. You know, and I'm gonna have to say, Ohio loves them some DMV players. Apparently, they I do. They got, they yeah. got Joe Jow as the captain. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And uh, but you know, it's just I'm just proud of these guys and and to watch them play. Um, another message I would like to send: DC United, please play those kids. Those are our guys. And and I really don't care what your record is. If you're playing them, I'm paying to come in your stadium. And I think there's quite a few of us in this area that will do that. Well, we got new they have the new leadership, right? So they maybe maybe got a chance. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll see. We'll come back to this recording. <laughs> hey, that was part one. We got a little long-winded, so we released this one. Part two is coming soon. Hope you tune in and enjoy.